The following podcast is completely fictional. All of the characters, even those based on real people, are fictional. They are just impressions by a weird dude talking to himself for your enjoyment. Hola, bramigos. What's going on, everybody? It is another episode of the Lot Scene Podcast. I am your host, Above the Dave. What's up? Hello. How we doing? This episode, I'm going to tell you about how I once competed in an air guitar competition. That's right. Uh, so I'll get into that. After that, we have our brand new segment, What If the Grateful Dead Were a Metal Band? Following that, we are getting a visit. First timers to the podcast, we have a few select morons. That's right. We have fans of the band Mo here to talk about being a super fan of the band Mo. And lastly, we have also another first timer to the podcast. He is known for playing with everyone. He's the main man behind Jazz is Dead. He's the lead guitar player for Widespread Panic. It's the legendary Jimmy Herring. And he's here with us today to talk about being fucking Jimmy Herring. So huff on some loons and snuff with a spoon. It's the lot pretty much my whole life since I have discovered jam bands I always secretly wanted to play guitar and it wasn't until I was actually 25 when I bought a guitar my dad during a a bad divorce uh, in our family as as a way to bond with me and my brother he bought us a drum set a guitar and a bass us to like jam together and we did we had like a few songs simple songs but i didn't play guitar my dad played guitar because that's all he knew my brother was kicked to bass and i was on drums so we played uh basically we just played bob dylan's hurricane over and over and over again and i played drums and harmonica to do the violin part so that was our thing we did that in the basement but i didn't know guitar i just loved air guitar I listened to so much Almond Brothers and Fish, and my friends and I would hang out every weekend, smoking weed, beatboxing, rapping, staring at lava lamps, just, you know, checking off all the high school stoner boxes uh, that you do when you're bored uh, in Connecticut. And we weren't really the biggest drinkers. Sometimes we'd get mushrooms, maybe after a fish show or something. But for the most part, it was just a love affair with weed. And to entertain my friends, I would put on, like, Jessica from the Allman Brothers, or I'd put on Chalk Dust Torture from a live one, and I would perform the song on air guitar, left-handed, no big deal, not to brag, but I would also I'd do these lefty, so. And my friends would just be all stoned out of their minds, sitting around in some basement, all on a bunch of couches, 
and I would just for 13 minutes be air guitaring every single note. And if it was Jessica Allman Brothers, I also air pianoed and bass and drums. So I was like kind of, I was known by my friends and any randos that might have also been hanging out in those sketchy basements that I was like the air guitar guy. I was really fucking good at it. And when I went to college, I did play a game freshman year. I remember it was like almost like a weird stoned icebreaker game that I would play when when we were all freshmen at college and we were all hanging out in dorm rooms just getting to know each other. Oftentimes we'd be high. Most of the times we would be high and not just like normal high. We were like bong hit high. So uh, to kind of cut into the tension that kind of happens when everybody gets kind of stoned initially, I just started playing a game with the people in dorm rooms and it was called am i playing guitar or jerking off and i entertained these small groups of people with this stupid game and they would just scream and yell guitar you're jerking off now you're jerking off you're definitely jerking off guitar back to guitar (laughs) and and this was like a fun game i i then expanded i then transitioned from air guitar and pantomiming masturbating to learning three chords on on guitar. I don't know, maybe just one random night, I learned D, A, and G. And I took those three chords, and I made my only song that I wrote on guitar for many years. And it was this only song I would perform, and it was titled, Tonight I'll Be Jerking Off, and I'll Be Thinking About You. And I'm going to go out and say that it was a it was one of the best first songs that anyone's ever written. Uh, it's also pretty in- inappropriate. I think my first song out the gate probably gets me canceled right out, right away. I think that's also a, a pretty impressive feat. And, you know, I look back at high school where I had friends who were in bands. I jumped in and joined a band with no knowledge of music. I think I wrote one song and I played harmonica. But it was really just to hang out thinking I was in a band, which was awesome. And then in college, it's the same thing. Uh, Now I'm in this liberal arts college and there's all these even doper musicians and they're like real serious about playing music. And there's all these guys who are like, I know, who are in jam bands. So I'm around them and there's like house parties and they're all jamming and I'm just... The guy who doesn't know how to play any music just hanging around them all the time. Like, maybe one of them will have to go to the bathroom and they'll be like, could someone fill in at bass? And I would be like, yes, I got this. But I don't got this. I didn't deserve to get the opportunity. And I never did get the opportunity to to prove myself or to totally blow it. But I remember one time, right after college, I came back to visit and I did a line of Adderall or Ritalin or one of those two. And I remember that I think that was one of the last times I really did that because I did a line of Adderall. I was and then I remember we got into a car, me and my buddy who was still attending school to go to a house party. And I'm just remember my heart just like pumping out of my chest. And we get to this house party, it's just a bunch of people hanging out. And there's these dudes in a basement jamming out, just like guitar, maybe guitar, bass, keys, something like that. There's no one on the drum kit. And here it is, right? Here's my here's my big opportunity. And uh, I'll say this. Uh, I, I sat down at the drum kit. They were welcoming of me. 
and I proceeded to slay. I give all credit not to my amazing drumming skills, but to the power of Adderall. Holy shit. I have to assume it's like a cheat code. Like if you're a drummer and you take Adderall, holy fuck. Uh, I don't know if that's like a known thing, but uh, I just stumbled into this. I just was so locked in just crushing these drums for these guys jamming out. And after we jammed for like 45 minutes or so and we stop, I said, hey, guys, just a heads up. I don't really like play drums that much really at all. And they go, dude, you were way better than the last drummer we just had. And I was like, fucking Adderall, dude. <laughs> wow. So I got I finally got my sit in and I crushed it on drums. You know, and at this point, uh, right after college, I move in with some college buddies to a place in Austin, Massachusetts, and right by Harper's Ferry, which I mentioned in an earlier story is where we met one of our roommates. Well, even earlier than that, when I, I was 24, so yeah, probably like a year or so after I moved to Boston, the air guitar competition announced that it would be holding its first round competition at Harper's Ferry. And I just knew in my 24-year-old, coked-out, half-assed, naive, moronic brain that this was it. This was it. This was going to be my moment. I signed up for the competition. I told everybody, hey, your boy is doing what you hoped he would do one day and go pro with the air guitar and uh and everybody uh did said no we didn't we weren't hoping for that and i put in a lot of work but here's the th problem with the air guitar competition was i was a guy who was known for doing jam band songs and so my whole thing was i could do 13 15 minute songs and know every note and make it look super impressive but the air guitar competition was only 60 seconds and that was very hard for me it was hard for me to figure out how to take this talent and condense it into 60 seconds so i end up choosing santana's persuasion a live cut from a Fillmore album a live album it's a great track i know it by heart so uh, like i think i know most of that album by heart and by by heart, I mean, I can make it look like I'm I'm playing it left-handed on a, on an air guitar. So I don't know it by heart. <laughs> just I just I can make it look like I do. So I found 60 seconds, and I show up day of the competition. And I'll just say this, you know, at this point, uh, this is before I did started doing stand up. I, I started at 28, so I'm 24. I've never done anything really like performancey, really at all, like on a, on a larger scale where like I'm in front of hundreds of people. This was my first like performance. Maybe like I guess you could call it a comedy performance really too, um, because it is. It's funny. It's entertainment. And the, for me, the big thing was that if I won the, the Boston competition and I went on to the U.S. finals, you are uh, flown out to Los Angeles, you compete in the U.S. finals. If you win the U.S. finals, you win nothing. Zero, I think zero dollars, zero anything. All you get is the title of U.S. champion, and then they fly you to the world championships which were held in Finland, and you would compete uh, as the U.S. champion against international competition, other people 
who have made their parents very proud. And you would all compete, I don't know, still a minute each. Maybe I guess it's the same routine every time. And the winner of the world championships held in Finland win two things. One was very important to me. Very, very important. The other, I was like, okay. So the first thing, the thing I really wanted to win was you get to go on Conan O'Brien and perform your air guitar act and meet Conan O'Brien. First of all, it's Conan O'Brien. Like, this guy is my hero. Uh, he's my favorite comedian. He was, uh, is a god to me. I mean, he's the dude. He is the man. And back then, Conan O'Brien's show was, was just, it was everything that got me through high school and college. I watched it all the time. And I knew that that felt like the only chance I had to ever, like, get on Conan or meet Conan O'Brien. So... Uh, that was all that I cared about is that if I can just work on this show and I and I'm ready for it, just let me show the world what I got, and then I'm gonna get to meet Conan O'Brien <laughs> and perform on his show. That was before. Again, these are just the 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 coke field dreams of a 24 year old who who doesn't understand how the world works. So you know that was the first and most important prize. Uh, if you win at all. Secondly, if you win the air guitar competition, they give you a real guitar. Yeah. They said, hey, oh my God, so impressive. Amazing. You're the best air guitarist in the entire world. And we would like to reward you with this incredible gift that you have brought to this world by giving you an actual guitar. Come on, bud. Just learn the real thing. <laughs> So I, I love that. It's it's kind of insulting, but not really because I don't think anyone takes air guitar that seriously. Even me, who took it pretty seriously, didn't take it that seriously. So yeah, it's a it's a really fun event for people to come out to. And the day of the event, Harper's Ferry was sold out. It was I don't know maybe three four hundred people, maybe more, were were crammed in there. It was a lot of people. So day of the event, okay, I show up. I have. I guess, a CD of the 60-second clip or something like that of Santana. I've decided to go with, like, green spandexy bell-bottoms pants, uh, no shirt, bold move, 24-year-old Dave. Pretty much that's it. Maybe some sneakers. Maybe, I don't know, I might have had something around my head. I'm not, I honestly don't remember. But um, I do remember being shirtless. And so I like that my first time on stage in front of a ton of people doing some type of performance, I went shirtless. So so it's the day of the event. I have a good amount of friends come out for this. People are pumped. All of my local high school and college friends who could make it are there. There's probably a good 20 plus friends of mine or people who know me who are there in support of me going on stage. And a lot of them are friends who have known me since high school and college. So they always were like, dude, you should be performing. You should be doing something on stage. I just didn't have the guts. This was my first attempt to say, hey, I, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna get on stage. And that was a big deal for a lot of my friends. So they were definitely looking to, to check this out. Because up to that point, I entertained them in dorm rooms and house parties mostly, but this was, you know, the next level. So the event is underway. I think maybe one, two performers go up there they do 60 seconds. Psh, I, I, you know, cool, cool performances. But I knew, you know, what I had, my performance, my athletic performance was going to stun and wow the judges. And then I think the third performer, and he's head to toe in just black 
metal looking attire and he launches into his one minute and immediately out the gate is headbanging at a furious furious pace he is shaking on stage he's he's not doing anything too impressive with the actual air guitar the hands or anything it's just like slayer playing and it's just hardcore he's just basically doing like a hardcore headbang metal type of of shred type of thing 10 15 20 seconds in not too impressive but like fine you know you gotta have the metal dude and uh he's at the edge of the stage and at at about 30 seconds into his set he's headbanging so hard that he loses his balance falls into the crowd knocks his head into a girl she gets like a bloody nose he doesn't recover doesn't get back on stage is stunned the crowd's kind of like whoa kind of like what happened kind of shook up and that's it he he only did 30 seconds of the 60 seconds and he just yeah fell off the stage injured someone and (laughs) and that was it it was in that moment where i realized that the judges who they picked for this event were not really looking to find the best air guitarist they found the whole thing to be a huge joke which again like i get it, it is it's a joke it's it's funny but like as a guy who was looking to throw some some air guitar skill their way what happened next was a pretty damn deflating when they took that performance and gave him across the board three tens uh, yeah they hold up like the numbers you know one to ten like a dunk contest and they went straight tense on that uh, performance because, in a way, what's more rock and roll than, like, falling off the stage and giving someone a bloody nose? But in their heads, that was the most rock and roll or the funniest thing that could possibly happen. So either way, that's a perfect score. So I'm like, well, if that's a perfect score, then fuck me. This is not going to be great for me. If that's what you're looking for. I, I'm not going to compete with that. Uh, what Give two girls bloody noses? I, I don't really know. And so all of the performers are like side stage and they're, they see the, the, the perfect score and they all kind of feel that same like deflated thing. Like, oh, these judges are just like, think this is a joke and that's, you know, dang. And so they're like looking around like, oh, I wouldn't want to be the one following that guy. Man, yeah, that would suck. And then they look at me and I go, I'm next. They're like, damn. I was like, yeah, well, good thing I got the skills to pay the bills. And I go on stage and I do my Santana live version of Persuasion. I go up there shirtless, tight little green spandex pants. And I'm jumping over the guitar and I'm jumping back and I'm playing it behind my head and I'm playing it with my teeth. And I'm spinning all around. I got one minute where I'm just bopping from side to side. And in that 60 seconds, I had that whole place rocking. People were like, whoa, and yeah, and I could feel it. And then I had it perfectly timed. So at the very last note that I hit at 60 seconds is this like big thing where I look out to the crowd and I did it. And then the whole crowd's like, yeah. And honestly, that was it. That was, for me, a big, big moment because it was like, oh, wait, I fucking love this. This is awesome. 
This is like, this is what it is like to perform in front of people. This is so cool. So I got that high. And then after that, the judges gave me like a four. Or <laughs> uh, they didn't give me a great score. I knew at that point it was a done deal. Like the guy who had the perfect score, who headbanged and fell off the stage, was going to move on. There was no one that was going to beat him. Everyone knew that at that point. I had a good 60 seconds up there, a, real, a great 60 seconds. And it was really fun for my friends. Uh, I think at one point, some of my female friends were uh, going over to the judges' table like, what can I do to get get my friend Dave a higher score? And then they were like taking the mic like, can someone remove Dave's friends from the judges' area? They are offering sexual <laughs> sexual favors for a better score. Uh, so I really, I really appreciated my friends. They were they were hilarious and and um, and we made uh, made our own scene there. But ultimately, I didn't get to go to LA. I didn't get to go to Finland. I didn't get to meet Conan O'Brien. And so I go home defeated, lost in the first round and said, damn, okay. So I really like the performance part, but it seems like this air guitar thing. I don't know. I think I got to hang it up. And that's when I decided, you know, I don't need to go and win it all in Finland and meet Conan. What I need is that other gift. I need a guitar. I need a real guitar. And I need to learn more than D-A-G. And I want to I wanna play more guitar. So I went to Guitar Center. And I got a Fender Strat, which I have to this day. And like a Line 6 amp. And because the guy at Guitar Center said, who do you want to sound like? And I said, I, David Gilmore. He said, I got that. Here's the clean sound for David Gilmore. And I said, Sit, perfect. And I went home with a little amp and guitar. And I taught myself just some basic scale stuff, you know, just some major minor stuff, uh, learned some chords, and started writing more songs other than Tonight I'll Be Jerking Off and I'll Be Thinking About You. Though I do still perform that song from time to time, depending on who may be hanging out in my living room. If, uh, if they're from college, they, they may get a version uh, to this day. It was a pivotal point in my life because it both gave me the rush of what a live performance could be, which I definitely later started chasing more and more. And then it also gave me this push to uh, maybe take things more seriously and maybe like take my interest in music more seriously. And as soon as I had a real guitar, like electric guitar, my like my first ever electric guitar, I'd come home from work every single day and just jam and jam and jam and jam. And I did that for years and then just started recording some music. And and now I still love doing it. And I still don't really know that much. I only know some stuff, but uh, I'm having fun with it. And I think like a lot of things in my life, at least for me, I felt like in a certain way I had to be pushed into it. Uh, I don't always just fearlessly go into the next phase of my life. Sometimes it takes someone or something or some event to kind of mentally push me over. Well, might as well try it now. <laughs> that was a big moment for me because it got me actually playing real music and learning real music and, and beginning that process for me. So at, at, at 24 years old. So moving on, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, when I first heard about the Grateful Dead and the band called the Grateful Dead, I thought they were a heavy metal band. 
Did you think the Grateful Dead were a heavy metal band? If you didn't grow up with it from your parents and you're just some kid in grade school or middle school or high school and you hear of this band called the Grateful Dead, maybe you saw the skulls, the imagery, first thing you thought, come on, right? That's a metal band, right? It got me thinking, what if the Grateful Dead were a metal band? first guests today are first timers to the podcast. I reached out to our booker Vinny and I said, Vinny, get me some Mo Rons. We're just really curious over here at the lot scene. What is it about Mo that these rabid fans can't get enough of? Mo is one of the biggest jam bands. They've been doing it for so long. Obviously, they got a, a huge fan base that adore them. They push limits all the time. Pushing the jam 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. These guys jam. Uh, and so I get it. But uh, I also kind of want to know what makes you, first and foremost, a Moron. So let's bring them out here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a whole bunch of Morons. Whoa! Oh my god, it's the lizards. That's us, yeah. What's this? Oh, no, don't go over there. Oh, it's a toilet. Oh, I gotta flush myself. You're gonna what? Oh Guys, don't do that. Guys, don't flush yourselves down the toilet. Nope, that's a window. Guys, come on. Guys, we need to shut this window. Vinny, Vinny. Hey, boss. Vinny, can you shut this window real quick? These guys are jumping out. Oh, the morons. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, get out of here, morons. Morons, come on. And get out of here, scram. Tell you, these morons, boss. Uh, Vinny, yeah, about that. These aren't morons. What are you talking about? These are the dumbest guys I've ever seen in my life. No, I uh, I get that. But Mo Rons are diehard, hardcore fans of the band Mo. Hey, you mean those dad rockers, boss? Yeah, yeah, the dad, the dad rockers. They got fans? Yeah, Vinny, they got tons of fans. Yeah, like, they're huge. Oh, yeah, well, they, you know, they're pretty rock and roll, I guess. Vinny, besides the point, uh, these are lizards. Don't you remember them from last season? You know, when you told me to get some morons, I was like thinking like, well, who do I know? I know, uh, you know, I know my niece, Tiffany. I know my, uh, I know a couple guys from back in the day that ain't too bright. But, uh, but then next thing I know, these guys show up 
And uh, I start talking with them, and man, they got to be the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met in my life, boss. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely do a lot of stuff that smart people don't do. That's a nice way of putting it, boss. Well, I can't take credit for it, but. Uh... Hey, what's this over here? No, don't touch that. <laughs> oh god, they're putting their fingers in the outlet again. Fingers in the what? In the outlet. No, don't do that. Vinny, they're dropping like flies here. These are some dumb guys. And girls. And girls? I can't even tell. Yeah, I'm a girl. I'm a girl, Tim. Yeah, I'm a guy. I'm a girl. I'm a lizard. Yeah, we know you're a lizard, but what, what kind of lizard are you? I'm non-dairy. You mean non-binary? No, non-non-dairy. I'm not, I can't have milk. Oh, okay. I think what they're trying to say is that they don't assign themselves either a male or a female. Guys, look at this! What is it? It's a toilet! I'm gonna go in it! Guys, what is this? I've never seen anything like it! Guys, don't go in the toilet, guys. What is this? Oh, wow, that's awesome! Hey, guys, that's a fan. You don't want to go near the fan. Guys, yeah, stay away from the fan. Guys, Guys, whoa! Oh my god, Vinny, what, can you turn the fan off? Hey, the fan's broken now. Oh god. Whoa, what's this? Oh, oh, please don't, I don't, I don't, please don't, don't touch me. Whoa, he's weird looking. I know. Or maybe she, maybe, maybe they're non-binary. Hi, uh, uh, my name's Marco. Hi, Marco. Hey, Marco, what are you doing? Are you a lizard? Uh, no, no, I'm not a lizard. I'm a, no, I work for the podcast. Whoa, Fishing. No, he said podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure he said broadcast. He said he broke the rocket? You guys seen this toilet? <laughs> guys, 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 please don't touch Marco. Please stay away from that toilet. Uh, guys, stay clear of the fan. What about this thing? <laughs> stay away from the outlets. Jesus. Okay, guys, guys, reel it in. Yo, can we talk for a second, lizards? Guys. Can I have your attention just for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can give you a minute. Has, has it been a minute already? What? Yeah, I think it's been like a couple seconds. What about now? Has it been a minute? Nope, yeah, it's uh. Still Guys, yeah, just give me, just give me a minute. I just want to talk with you, lizards. It's been a while since last season when you came through that portal from Gamehenge. Do you remember that? Oh, Gamehenge, we miss it. We love it so much. I miss Gamehenge. This world is fun. We're having a really good time. Yeah, it's nice to not have Wilson around. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but. Sometimes I miss Game Hedge. Yeah, me too. Me too. You guys talking about Game of Thrones? I miss him. No, 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 not Game of Thrones. Game Hedge. Oh, Game Hedge. Like our hometown? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I prefer. I prefer oh, Los yeah? Angeles. Yeah. Chicks are pretty hot. Yeah, that's true. The chicks are pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while since we last talked when you came through the portal. And, Lizards, I gotta, I gotta say, is anyone here still in touch? With anyone or anything going on in Gamehenge? Yeah, sometimes we still talk to our, our lizard yeah, friends. Yeah, I talk to my family all the time. Yeah, we know what's going on in Gamehenge. You do? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, at the end of last season, a little girl named Esther 
came from our world and she went through the portal to Gamehenge and the portal sealed up. Oh, no. Oh, man, that's sad. Hey, wait, I think I know about her. Yeah, I think I heard about her, too. You have? Yeah, her name's Ether. No, it's Esther. Hector? No, Esther. Did you say, did you say Heather? No, I said Esther. Like a really popular name for Jewish girls or Asian girls for some reason, both. Really? You guys yeah, know about her? Yeah, my friends say that she's trying to find Aaron Wolf. Aaron Wolf? Yeah, he found the Helping Friendly book, and now he's ruling over Gamehenge. Yeah, and everybody hates him. Yeah, he's the worst. Was the yeah, worst. Aaron Wolf sucks. Yeah, we hate Aaron Wolf. And I heard Esther's gonna try and find him and grab the Helping Friendly book back. And save Gamehenge! Yeah! yeah. Right. Guys, the fan's working again. Oh my god, it is dead! Check this out! <laughs> Guys, guys! Oh, the fan's broken again. Guys, so you're telling me that Esther's there and she's trying to find the Helping Friendly book and get it from Aaron Wolf? Yeah, supposedly he found it outside an all-gender bathroom. Is that like a non-dairy bathroom? I think you mean non-binary. No, I think he means non-felinary. What's that? Yeah, I think it's um, not cats. Anyone who's not a cat. That makes sense. Does it, though? Yes. Wait, so are we in game age right now? No, dude. No, we're in the, we're still in Los Angeles. Uh, okay. Wait, so if you guys are still in contact with friends and family over in Gamehenge, and Aaron Wolf is now in charge over there, and you know about Esther, the little girl who's trying to get that Helping Friendly book, then we got to reach out to someone in Gamehenge. I need your help, lizards. We can help. Yeah, we'll do whatever it takes. I'll do anything. I'll jump out this window. Right guys, here. don't jump out the. Whoa. Hey, I got the window pulse. Thank you, Vinny. Marco, can you close that door to the toilet? That's my, that's the toilet I use. Just close it for now. Okay. We'll do whatever it takes a button, Dave. It, it's not a button, Dave. A button, Dave! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not a button, Dave, guys. It's above the Dave. Above the Dave. That's right. We'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah, what do you need? All right, lizards, I really, really need this. Esther's family here, they are so distraught. They're so distraught? No, not so They're so distraught and sad over losing their child. They thought, they didn't know if she was alive, they didn't know if she was dead. All they knew was that she went through the portal. And so we need to get Esther out of Gamehenge and we need to get her back to her family. Oh, her family's sad. Yeah, they're really sad. They're really upset. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, well, we can help you about the day. Yeah, we'll help you find day. Okay, great, great. So we need to get Iculus. Iculus the prophet? Yeah, we need, we need to get the great and knowledgeable Iculus to find Esther and to get her back to this world. There's only one person who could do it, and it's Iculus. Well, I'd say it's definitely Iculus. Neither him or Kevin. Well, actually, Kevin just died in the fan, so it's got to be Iculus. Yeah, I don't think Kevin had the chops for it, I guess, then. Yeah, Iculus. He's the one that can save her. Yeah, Do you guys ever reach out to Iculus? We pray to him all the time. Yeah, we pray to him every day. Oh, you do? Does he, like, respond or anything? Sure, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he talks to us. This is very, very important. I need you guys to reach out as soon as you can to Iculus and tell him to find this girl, Esther, and to get her back to this world. That's very, very important. Tell him Above the Dave sends this message to him. What message? Dude, were you not listening to any of that? No, I was just kind of staring over here. Guys, who's this? Uh, 
My name is Marco. Oh, I've been here. Yeah, I've been here the whole time. Got it, got it. Guys, guys, focus. I really need you to focus. This is really important. Here, I'm going to write this down for you. I'm just going to put this down on paper. That way you can keep it with you and you can re remember next time that you're reaching out to Iculus that you ask him for this message. Oh, well, in that case, we can just have the Mockingbird send it to him. Oh, you you can just have the Mockingbird bring him this message? Oh, yeah. You don't need us to tell We him. just pranked him. You need the Mockingbird. Oh, well, okay. Well, how do you get the Mockingbird? Oh, we'll just call the Mockingbird right now. Yeah, we can do it. That's how we can communicate with our friends back in Game Edge. Yeah, the Mockingbird could do anything. Okay, well, yes, yeah, summon, summon the damn Mockingbird, and we'll, uh, I'll get this message over to Iculus. That'd be great. Uh, that'd be huge. Okay, hold on. Hey, we gotta open the window. Hey, what did I say about the window? No, we gotta open the window. Guys, it's not happening. I, I can't, we can't have you guys keep jumping out the window. No, no button, Dave. How's the Mockingbird gonna come in? Oh, Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Vinny, wanna open it back up? Yeah, I got this. All right, here we go, here we go. Whoa, oh my God, there it is. Holy shit. God, it's Holy gorgeous. Holy shit, boss. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the Mockingbird has now taken the letter that I wrote to Iculus, and it is now flying out the window, back to Gamehenge. Yay, boss! Oh, God, we need some covers on that outlet. Do we, though? I don't, I don't know. All right, guys, guys, thank you so much. That's so huge. This is really going to help. Hopefully, Iculus can find Esther in time and get her back here, back to her family. Who's Esther? Really, dude? Don't you mean Heather? Wait, so are we in all right, thank you so much, Lizards, for popping by. You guys really, really helped us out. Thank you so much. I'm glad things are going okay in Los Angeles. Oh, it's great. You know, most places that we live in, you know, we feel like maybe we're not, I don't know, the smartest group. But here in Los Angeles, we fit right in. Yeah, I'm actually one of the smartest people I know here. Me too. You mean like in this broadcast studio? No, like you mean in Los Angeles. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for coming by the studio. And Vinny, I mean, honestly, uh, one of your better mistakes you've made uh, as of late. So thanks for screwing that up. Hey, no problem, boss. All right. Thank you, lizards. Give it up for the lizards, everybody. Okay, well, our final guest today is one of the sickest guitar players in the fucking game. This guy played with Aquarium Rescue Unit, the Almond Brothers, Phil Lesh and Friends, Jazz is Dead. I'm talking some iconic fucking albums right here of some of the best versions of Dead Tunes done in a way that only he could do it. 
And most recently, he's he's with Widespread Panic, and he's been rocking it with them for a while now. Done it all with everybody. He is the OG. He is the, a living legend, and he's here on the podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jimmy Herring. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming here on the podcast, sir. A pleasure to be here. It is. You really are a guitar god. One of the best guitar shredders on planet Earth, I am. That's right. And man, there is so much to talk about. I'm a huge fan of pretty much everything you've ever done. To you, with a very important message, I come. Oh, you have an important message for me, Jimmy? The meaning of life. What is... Oh, oh man, you're going to tell me the meaning of life, Jimmy Herring? What is the meaning of life? That widespread panic rules. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 panic rules, panic rules. A force for good, we are. I agree, yeah, no, you guys, uh, you guys are spreading that love and light. And just the combo, man, the combo of you and John Bell is really just tops in the game when you're talking just guitar singing chops, lyrics, and you guys got it all. All of the babes John Bell gets. Oh shit, really? He's a he's a chick magnet, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, you guys have a real diehard fan base. I mean, I I'd, I'd say only Fish probably compares when it comes to just how insane the fan base is. Maybe you maybe you guys are Dave Matthews or something like that. The most loyal fans in the world our fans are. Yeah, a lot of fans. A lot of haters, a lot of fans. Deaf or dumb. If you aren't down with panic, then you must be. <laughs> That's that is one way to say it, Jimmy. Not just for rednecks and white trash panic is. No, yeah, no, I know. That's what the haters say. They say it's just, you know, fish for rednecks. But that's that's just not true. It's all different kinds of people who just appreciate good music and some good old rock and roll. Dudes popping boners in the crowd. When I shred my guitar, I can hear. You can hear dudes popping boners? This guitar right here. I am invincible when I play. Whoa. Damn. It's pretty sick, Jamie Herring. It's also cool that you just like brought your guitar here. I don't know if not enough the guys bring their guitar. You're on your Jedi shit, dog. Way better than any other jam band widespread is. Yeah, well, I mean each their own. But definitely, I feel you on that. Dave Schools eat a fish fan. One time I saw... Eat an entire fish fan? For pussies, fish is... Well, you know, yeah. And what do you think about Dave Matthews? It must be destroyed. The dark side. Making me a little nervous waving that thing around. (laughs) Guitar, everyone shuts the head up. When I play. You make it sound so evil there, Jimmy. To bring peace and happiness to the people, I play guitar. 
And yeah, and you have such a long and accredited history of playing, man, really, and just crushing it with uh, the music of the Grateful Dead, may I say. An honor to play the music of the Grateful Dead, it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fish guy, huge biscuit guy, huge dead guy. Uh, so, I mean, just hearing those interpretations when I was younger was mind-blowing for me. It was a whole new way to listen to the music of the Grateful Dead in uh, in a cool, like, modern way and in a cool, jazzy way. So, Panic is better than fish, you think? Oh, I don't... Uh, personally? <laughs> no offense, Jimmy. I, I love Panic. I just, I, you know, I wouldn't put them above fish. Panic is the best band in the history of the world, you think? Panic is the best band in the world. And all bands are distant, distant The force you are harnessing the power of. A widespread panic fan. You are now. Oh, yes, I am. Known for having the best taste in music and beer, panic fans are. Mmm, beer. Sleep with their cousins, all panic fans. Cousin is kind of hot. You're right. Jimmy Herring, who taught you how to play guitar? You're just so damn good. Taught guitar by some Lord Jedi's, I was. Whoa, you were taught by Jedi's? So that's how you play so well. You have, like, the Force. What does the Force feel like? The feeling you get... When you feel a cold, natty light run between your two front teeth and down your throat, the forces. Mmm, natty light. I mean, widespread panic, best band of all time, not even a question. Um, got that cleared up. All other bands are pussies. Panic freaking rules. You learn by Jedi's. You know how to use the force. And you can do anything with the Force? Like, you can just, like, get anyone to do anything? You shit your pants. I can make. You can make what? Oh. 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 Fuck. Oh, shit. Ah, uh, that's oh, oh crap! Oh, okay. I gotta, I gotta get this short. I gotta run. Well, Jimmy, uh, it has been a pleasure having you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming by. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, give it up for Jimmy Herring. And remember, panic rolls. Yeah, panic fucking rolls. They're the best. Oh God. And let the force be. All right, Jimmy Herring, everybody. Oh, God. Oh, man, that's... <clears throat> um, okay, I gotta, run to the... I gotta run to the bathroom, so we gotta cut this short. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to today's episode. I wanna thank all of my guests. I wanna thank my guest, the Lizards, for popping in, uh, as well as the famous Mockingbird for coming in through the window, and also for Jimmy Herring. For making me shit my pants with the force next week we're going to talk about that perfect sweet spot a 
of doing drugs. You know what I mean? Like each drug has that perfect best case scenario that you should do them in. And we're going to talk about what those best case scenarios are for me. What do I think are the best ways to take different drugs? Following that, we get a return visit from Doug, the fish orgy promoter. He's back and he wants to chat with us about what's going on with him. And then finally, we are going to be talking to the legend, Willie Nelson, who recently turned 90 years old. And he's here in the studio with also legendary rapper Snoop Dogg. The two of them are going to come on in and kick it with us. And we are extra excited about having these legends in the building. So follow us on Instagram, by the way, at the Lot Scene Podcast. And please leave a five-star review if you can. Get a second. It'd be huge for us. And thank you again for listening. I will see you again next week for another episode of The Lot Scene Podcast.